Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Haiku Chronicle podcast. I know, my numbering system is a little weird, but the episode numbers reflect the number of weeks I've been studying in earnest, so if you can, please bear with me. Do you like my introduction? I'm not sure I'll use it again. But I was taking a walk the other day, round my home, and I thought you might like to hear what it sounds like round these parts. Anyway, back to the podcast. Thanks once again to the many poets who featured in last week's episode, Making Sense of the World. The episode was really well received. I got lots of feedback, all of it positive. Thanks very much. And special thanks to Miniko and Giddy, who've challenged me to think more deeply about a few things. Personification in haiku, the definition of senryu, and the cultural differences in the development of haiku and senryu, east and west. I'm going to be adding those to my already very long list of things I want to study. But if you have thoughts on any of these topics, please let me know. I'd really love to hear from you. So week 45, what am I going to be looking at this week? Juxtaposition and the link between the images. It's really difficult, isn't it, just to find the balance, not so close that you give the game away, but not such a wide gap that it's incomprehensible. Then we're off to visit with a couple of poets from across the other side of the world to me. And of course, I'll read the haiku that I've managed to write since we last met. So, juxtaposition again. Why did I return to this topic once more? Well, I came back to it because I was reading haiku and one or two of the juxtapositions just really weren't making sense to me, even after I'd read them several times. I'll not quote the ones that were puzzling me, because I think that would be disrespectful to the poets. After all, they were doing their best. It made sense to them, but I just wasn't getting it. Let's just say I'm grateful to them for making me assess what I was doing. In a search for enlightenment, I returned to basics. I read an article by Ferris Gill who said, Most haiku written in the classic construction contain two parts in juxtaposition, with each part containing an image. Ideally, the images are fundamentally different and independent of each other, and each image represents a different topic. Different topics. All well and good. But there has to be a connecting thread between the two parts. Something unsaid. Something which is not blindingly obvious, but is something that we as readers should be able to grasp. As the reader, you normally have to make this leap alone. But the poet has left you clues. As Marco Fraticelli said, readers fill the gap in their imagination and complete the image. My problem with the incomprehensible haiku was that the clues were not making any sense to me. Why? Well, maybe because I was being too impatient and not giving myself time to understand them. Maybe I wasn't equipped with the experience of the poet. After all, we've all had different life experiences and the poet was describing or observing something I had not or could not be familiar with myself. In some cases, the poem was using surrealism. Now, I'm sorry, but I'm not a great fan, and I often lack the patience to pursue the meaning. And then in some cases, I got the feeling that the poet didn't know how to construct haiku and senryu, or maybe was experimenting. Now, experimenting is fine with me, After all, if we don't push the boundaries, 
the genre may become stale. Evolution should be encouraged, don't you think? Confronting Haiku and Senryu that are outside the realms of my reality is also a good thing. If you stick to ideas within the common consciousness, then the pool of ideas is limited. I like to be confronted with new ideas. They broaden your horizons, don't they? An appreciation of matters outside my own sphere of knowledge can only be a good thing for my humanity and perspective. As Alan Summer says, discovery is a vital component in any discipline, and I'm always thrilled when I discover something new or something new about something familiar. Having said that, I do believe that haiku should be simple to understand, that haiku in English should use simple and primarily objective language, that the connection between the two parts should perhaps challenge my imagination without being too hard to understand. Now, how do I do this, though? Well, I'm going to take some advice from Gary Hottam. I need to be subtle, probably more subtle than subtle, to endeavour not to share too much, leaving space for the reader to use their imagination, to ask myself, am I making my words work? Am I using them in the best way to arrange the words for the moment I'm trying to bring the reader into? Do the words have the power? Word power is important for any poem, but especially for the haiku, since there are so few in the poem. That is a very challenging and exciting part of creating a haiku, using a few words to explore the wonders of Earth and perhaps beyond to the far reaches of our universe. So this week, I've tried to find haiku with two strong images and which allow, at least for me, just enough space for me to use my imagination and make sense of them. That use their words judiciously and are relatively simple. Simple in this case, not being used in a pejorative way. Let me know what you think. Spring. Digging up the memory of Earth. Olivia Schopfer. Shallow brook. First snow settles on a stone above the water. Tomislav Maretich. The slow drip of honey on bread, late autumn sun. Maria Stein. Stalled car, foot tracks being filled with snow. Gary Hottam. Flat tyre, the cows just stand and slowly turn to look. Marianne Bluger. And from me... Weeds grow in the place of roses. Exhaust fumes. Whoosh. The parachute opens. Belly flop. This week, we're off to visit Gideon, Australia, and Suwai in Singapore. This time, I'm not going to comment on the work, except to say, of course, I really enjoyed it. And thank you very much to both ladies. I'm just going to read their work and let your imagination do the rest. Flooded creek, car becomes stranded, snake washes by. Giddy Nielsen Sweep. 
A rose between the pages. A story untold. Su Wai Lai. So there we have it. Thank you to all of you for listening and for emailing and tweeting me with comments and thoughts. You know I love to hear from you. And it would be really good to read your submissions on the topic of childhood for a podcast in January next year. I know, January, but it'll soon be here. I'm already thinking about Christmas presents and the Christmas feast. I've planned a different dessert this year. Just got to figure out how to do it. Anyway, thanks for coming along and listening, and I'll see you next time. Until then, keep writing. And you'll find the links for further reading on the website, poetryp.com. If something's missing, just email me and I'll sort it out. Ciao!